Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you're listening, you're listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKenty. This is episode 39 of The Shift. It's being recorded on June 28, 2018. If you like what you're hearing, please think about becoming a patron. That's patreon.com backslash The Shift. I can use all the support I can get. If you want to follow my news feed on Facebook, that's at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Follow the conversation on Twitter at McKenty and find my archives and other information about the show at theshiftnow.com. My guest on the show today is Ryan Christian, creator, producer, edit- and editor-in-chief of TheLastAmericanVagabond.com, a website dedicated to revealing truths that the mainstream media refuses to cover. The site produces a variety of content, including essays on current events, audio and video interviews, as well as The Daily Wrap-Up, a podcast which collates the news of the day from a variety of different alternative and independent sources into a concise 20-minute program guaranteed to keep his audience up to date and informed from a perspective that you will never hear from corporate media. The Daily Wrap-Up has become my personal source for keeping up with current events from a rational yet open-minded point of view, and I highly recommend to those listening to check it out at thelastamericanvagabond.com. To top it all off, Ryan operates the online radio station WKUP The Shift, which hosts a wide variety of content, including music, as well as other alternative podcasts that will take you as far down the rabbit hole as you are willing to go. Ryan's personal journey began with a passionate belief in cannabis legalization, but after pulling back that curtain, he realized the Puppet Master has strings attached to many important events that affect all of our lives in a very serious ways. Though his podcasts often focus on politics, economics, foreign affairs, and other current events, a deeper look into the website reveals an understanding of the more esoteric philosophy that motivates the actions of a controlling elite. With us today to describe in greater detail an editorial philosophy that goes well beyond the left-right paradigm is Ryan Christian. Thank you for agreeing to this interview, and thanks for doing your part to help make the shift. How are you doing today, Ryan? Doing great, Doug. Thanks for having me on. Very very well researched. You got the the depth of of my past in there, as well as pronouncing my name correctly. I appreciate that. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, you bet. (laughs) Yeah, I have to say I didn't have to do a heck of a lot of research for this one, because I listen to your show every time you got a new one out. I've I don't even know. I discovered it uh, a few months ago, and uh, before that, I had to read 10, 15 articles a day to stay informed, and then I noticed that, hey, this guy is reading these articles for me and then putting it together inside such a great format that, uh, and with such a great point of view. I mean, I, I actually really appreciate your commentary as well. Uh, you talk about what's going on, and and then you add your own spin on it that just kind of frames everything into the into the overall paradigm that makes so much sense to me. Uh, I was just saying before before the show, it's really nice to hear someone that uh, seems to really gel with my perspective, so I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, do you want to just describe a little bit about yourself, how you got into this, and, and uh, what's going on, how you started doing the daily wrap-up? Sure, yeah. I mean, really, the, the whole thing started a long time ago, and I really never imagined it was going to develop into what it did, as I'm sure a lot of people in this line of work kind of just there was a point in time where we all have our kind of awakening and kind of, you know, this shift this jolt, which is I'm sure why I use that term as well, you know, mm-hmm. like away from just all of the propaganda, all the manipulation and you just wake up one day and go, okay, yeah, something's off here, you know? Right. And I decided I'm just going to start doing something. I, I can't just sit here and do nothing. And, you know, kind of as many of us are just average people who just kind of rose to fill this gaping void of integrity left by the mainstream media and just started kind of writing. And it was just a little random blog. And I was traveling in my RV around the country and, and just kind of just, you know, doing it on the side. Mm-hmm. And then eventually just kind of gathered steam. And, and really for me, it all kind of started, like you said, with cannabis well before that, where 
you know, I've always been an avid supporter of just kind of general freedom in that right, where I always thought it was wrong for them to tell us what we could do with our own body. Well, sure. before I've developed my understanding of my own political beliefs. And as I began to research that, it just blew me away how easy it was to just kind of just scratch past the surface and go, wow, like we are being lied to. It's not even that hard to find out. Right. You know, it's, it's right there. And and so that kind of just, in, in, I really saw the kind of like, as I call the marijuana movement or any other terms, uh, this kind of rise in awareness of marijuana as kind of this, it's like people were looking for something, you know, we were all like just desperate and thirsty to find something. And it seems like a lot of people latched onto this movement. And it really did show me that truly as, as kind of naive as many people think it may be that when we all kind of truly come together and see past the divide that's being forced on us, we really can make things happen. And that's a, that's a clear example. That, I mean, look at what happened. I mean, the federal government still is holding on to the rain and say, no, it's illegal, but half the country is saying it's not, which also shows you we don't really live in a democratic society like they say. Right. But I, I saw that as a way that people were like, it's not just about cannabis, right? I mean, this that we can t- can make cannabis this focal issue that people can grab onto, but it was about about rights, constitutional rights. It was about justice, about realizing that there's more around this than just cannabis. But we can use that to progress this concept of freedom and liberty that we've seemed to kind of lost touch with over the years. And I think that's all part of the agenda. You know, the the dumbing down, the pacification of us through many different mechanisms to make us forget that we do have a right to these things and we don't need this nanny state to tell us what we can and can't do on a regular basis. And from there, the site just kind of blew up and got, got attention. And I recently started doing the daily wrap up because I just realized that it's frustratingly enough. I mean, I'm, I'm a writer. I've always been a writer and frustratingly enough, people don't read that much anymore. Right. It's all about the videos and the sh- especially the short videos, which even more frustrated me because I'll do these two hour, hour long interviews and you know, people don't want to watch it. So I said, okay, what can I do that's going to reach the average people? Cause that's what it's really about. The average people, not just talking amongst the people that we already talk with and going, yeah, we all agree. You know, it's about reaching the people that don't know yet. So I decided to do this short video where I kind of pulled together everything that I thought was important, not just the popular topics and, gave it to them on a platter and said, look, but do it, research it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Here's what you should look at. Go out and research it. You know, and I think that's what people need to do more of is come to their own conclusions, you know? Yeah, I love that about the show. I mean, pretty much every episode you tell people, hey, don't take my word for it. You know, go look this stuff up for yourself and, and come to your own conclusions, just like you just said. And that is, I, you know, I actually find that perspective to be a, a big characteristic of of this alternative movement, or I like to call it the truth movement, um, because, you know, the mainstream media, or even if you go farther than that into the scientific world where you've got the guys in the white lab coats that are telling you, you know, this is the truth. And if you disagree, I mean, the vaccine issue is classic. Uh, you know, if you disagree, then gosh, you know, you're practically saying no to the, to the word of God. Uh, whereas, you know, from my perspective and from your perspective, it's like, Hey, this is the best that I've been able to do. I've been able to do this research and I've come up with this. So, you know, why don't you try to do your own research? Here are my sources. See if you can uh, come to the same conclusions I do. And if not, then let's have a conversation about it. I mean, you know, it's hard to figure out what's going on and there's so you're getting bombarded with so much different information, especially from the mainstream media. Uh, I mean, Gosh, I go to Google something, I get a hundred hits from the mainstream media and they're all giving you the mainstream narrative. So uh, again, like to, to have a, something like the daily wrap up that's there to just show you from this alternate perspective what's going on is, is awesome. But go ahead, go ahead. No, sorry. I, I, the, the, I just think civil discourse is something that has just completely disappeared 
today. Like we, it's become this extremely, and obviously like, you know, very clearly intentional, very hyper-polarized, like it's right or wrong, black or white, you're mm-hmm. the enemy, we're on the right side. There's no middle ground anymore where we can meet in the middle and say, well, here's what I think, here's why. Here's what you think. Here's why. Okay, let's come. To, let's let's understand each other's perspectives and let's have a conversation about this. And there, I mean, and that that's what I try to promote is people. You know, if you disagree with me, just like you said, let's talk about it. Tell me why. Don't come out and call me names in the comment section. Be like, here's why you're incorrect. Here's yeah. why I think that. And if you're right, I'll be like, well, darn it, you're right. You know, you you convinced me. I'm not afraid to do that. It's all about evolving our opinions. They change all the time. It's not like, you know, that's why I get, I get angry about you see that in politics where somebody will, you know, change their stance and get flip-flopping is very frustrating because we know they lie intentionally. But yeah. people's opinions evolve over time. That's the way it should be. And it's almost been framed as this negative thing. So there's definitely two sides to that. But that's just disappeared. Debates don't even happen that way anymore. It's all so structured and controlled. Very frustrating. Yeah, the control over the narrative is a is a huge issue about it. I, it some of what you're saying it reminds me. Well, at it, it first, I mean, obviously, you're starting to get into like the the politically correct kind of movement where that type of of civil discourse. I mean, I was just reminded, say, around the time of Charlottesville, we had this huge wave of there's all these neo Nazis, there's all this racism. Um, you know, which isn't to say, and I I love it. You say this on the show all the time because you bring up that the way the mainstream media is uh, manipulating people emotionally. And so everybody then jumps on these bandwagons. And I've come to be like you, where whenever the mainstream media, whenever all of it at one time jumps onto something, then you know that there's some kind of control going on. They're trying to control a narrative. They're trying to put something out there. Uh, The racism issue is like that. And then we're not having... It's civil discourse. Like another thing I wanted to bring up with you, I'll just throw these out and then you can pick it up where you want is I, I thought it was outrageous about the, the Mueller investigation and the Russian, you know, the Russian hacking and how the Facebook, they post all this stuff on Facebook. And after all of this, you know, they're kind of trying to imply that they hacked the election and they got Trump to win and they, they meddled the election meddling. Uh, and then I think the most recent thing the mainstream media just tried to push was, well, they were just getting on Facebook to be divisive. You know, just to throw out all this crazy stuff to divide us. And I'm thinking, well, the mainstream media does a great job of that already. Why would the Russians have to do it? Um, The racism issue was good. And you've also recently covered this immigration issue, which, of course, none of us like to see these families being separated. But this is, you know, as soon as that narrative is thrown out there, then you're not having a conversation. We're not really ever having a conversation about racism we're not really having a conversation about the immigration issue. It's always, oh my gosh, you're a Nazi. We hate you. You know, everybody's jumping on these bandwagons. And really what I'm seeing is the narrative is being controlled and it's divide and conquer. So this is all just part of the plan, like you're describing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just moral outrage, orchestrated moral outrage, mm-hmm. which like, you, like I just wrote about, it just completely circumvents your logic, which... You know, we all know, like I just said in my recent article, that in, a, in your personal life, you have something happen with it, like in a relationship, you hear some salacious lie or something, and, and we, you know, we freak out about it. We fly off the handle, and then, oh, I'm sorry, I overreacted there. And it's like, that's a little microcosm of what's happening today. We, we, we overreacted. We allowed our, our emotions to overcome our logic. And mm-hmm. it's exactly what's happening constantly in the political field today, where people are just screaming, like you just said, at each other about emotions and about, you know, that you're wrong. That's what it comes down to. Like you said, it's not even about the issue anymore. It's about proving that they're incorrect and you're right. 
right? It's this moral back and forth. And yeah. it's, it's so contrived and it's so obvious. And, you know, the, the Russian thing is such a clear example of how the facts just completely are not even involved in it anymore. You know, it, it's incredibly frustrating to see how that continues to progress and how they just kind of sidestep into the, into the next you know, realm of like recently it's, it's all about how Russia is trying to manipulate and, and all, you know, they're building up their military and the United States has to combat it. And it's, you know, I've always said it comes back to the military industrial complex and finding ways to keep us distracted so they can keep building up the military and so on and so on. And then all of a sudden, uh, Mattis just recently kind of just sidestepped and said, oh, no, but it's, they're not actually doing the military. They're just trying to attack our moral authority, right? It's like, well, right. wait a minute. You just said for years that they were building their military and now they're just not. It's like, yeah, how do you just, and people just miss that. You know, it's just because it's like, oh, you know, Russians, they just, they completely miss it. It's, it's something that people need to begin to pick up on the obvious ways that they manipulate you to avoid the facts. And that, that's where it all comes down to is we're, we're jumping right past the factual information. We, our emotions just overwhelm us and it's, it's near constant today. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to fathom there. And there's so many, so many places to go with this. Um, one of the things I did want to talk to you about, I know you did that interview with James Corbett about social engineering. I think this was a big step for me. Like all of us kind of go through this waking up process. I think it's so difficult to understand the amount of control that the big money powers really have. And I totally agree with you. I mean, when the country is spending some trillion dollars a year on the military, then the people who are making that money have billions of dollars to buy media outlets, to control politicians, you know? And I mean, after you live with this for 100 years or so, I think this is what you end up with. It's just insane. And um, so the social engineering is really a big factor uh, that you covered with James Corbett about how they've they've gotten such control over the media that a lot of this is a long-term plan to manipulate the public. Um, do you want to go into that a little bit? I mean, I think I actually think it takes a little bit of work on the part of individuals to break away from that. Like again, this you're, I think you know we're basically brainwashed. Uh, by growing up in this system and to get out of it, it's not like once you step out of it, it becomes obvious. But while you're in it, you know, it's very difficult to make that transition as a result of this, this, this meddling, this engineering that's going on. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, it, that's, that's kind of what I aim everything I do at is reaching those people because that's the hardest step for people to take. And mm. it's a minefield today of, of already kind of controlled opposition to catch those people before they actually reach people like us, you know, to get them on the way out and be like, Oh, let's guide you right back into the problem, you know? Right. But the, the social engineering is, is so profound today. And it's in, I mean, and this shouldn't be that hard for people to understand. I mean, you know, Bernays is always a good person to research people out there. Ever Bernays oh, is kind of the father of propaganda and how they, you know, they, they, they really have been doing this for advertising for any number of things for, for decades, even longer, most likely. And, we have to realize how it's being used. And, e and even if you'd like to believe that it's from like a place of good intention, which it's clearly not, but right. <laughs> it's being used against us to guide us in a path that makes us more pliable and more manipulatable. I mean, from, from, from education and indoctrination, essentially, all the way to where we are today, watching our TV and, you know, the, the things we see on signs and our social media, all of it's being used to kind of cultivate this very specific society that's easier to control mm -hmm. and lead us towards very specific ends. And, you know, James Corbett, like you said, I recommend anybody dive into his work if you're not familiar. He is just fantastic on the depths to which he goes with that. But like we kind of touched on before the show, the two-party paradigm, in my opinion, is the most 
pure example of exactly what that kind of what's it's it's social engineering in its prime right now, where yeah. we are being pitted against each other with this false divide. When the reality is, people, the real people behind it all, are very fully aware that there is no divide. They're all they're all aiming us towards the same direction, so they give us these these two fake concepts to argue amongst each other about while they all they're both ultimately guiding us in one direction i mean that's what it comes down to it's you know the, the problem reaction solution concept of the the hegelian dialectic is a little oversimplified that's the best way to put it is it's this you know they create these problems for us mm-hmm. they allow us to react to them and then they provide a fake solution that's already been decided years ago so we're, we all think we're making our own choices and we're stumbling over each other to go where they want us to at the end of the day and it, it's very contrived and it's something that it's until we can begin to pull back and see that for what it is. And really, once you do, like people like us, once you finally stand back, you go, how did I ever fall for this in the first place? Right. It's so ridiculous. You watch mainstream media today and it's like watching a cartoon. <laughs> like it's so obvious, but, but you know, that's what it takes. You have to finally pull yourself out of it. And once you do, you know, you can, you can make progress from there, but it's constant work. Mm-hmm. to avoid this stuff on a regular basis. And that's why we have to constantly be right. Re- it's, it's hard to realize that when I say question everything, it's people go, I don't want to live like that. And it's like, well, that's the world. You know, it's not, we don't have a choice. That's the way it is today. And right. so we constantly have to be asking ourselves if what we're looking at is simply feeding into this social programming that we constantly have to avoid. Yeah. I mean, I, like when I first started getting into this, um, it was nine eleven that kind of woke me up. And I remember the first, the first thing that I I heard was uh, Alex Jones talking about it. I thought this guy is completely nuts. And then I started to do my own research, and I mean I researched it for years probably before I was like, no, you know I this is does not make sense. What they're telling me just doesn't make sense. And it's what, like now I look at it, the buildings fall straight down into their own footprint. It's physically impossible without some kind of demolition, you know, and it's, it's that, that was the big, that's the big thing now for me that's very obvious. But then even after that, for years, I would be comparing and contrasting the alternative or independent media with a CNN article. Or, I mean, I would go through and I would be like, what's the source for CNN? What's the source for the Washington Post? What's the source for this, uh, you know, New York Times article? versus something that you're getting at the anti-media or now they're like mint press is doing great or consortium news i mean there's even some bigger uh you know some journalists that have fairly big names that have broken away from the corporate media realizing uh just how false it is you know the whole the whole reality there that have started their own independent sites um and then i you know at this point I mean, why even, like you're talking about, it's like a cartoon. The stuff that the Washington Post has whole articles about Russia, their source is like an anonymous person in the CIA. And they build this entire narrative off of this, and they have no actual real source material except for this, you know, and it's just crazy now. Now I don't, I mean, why even Why even look at that stuff? It's garbage. They don't even do real investigative journalism as far as I'm concerned. They just get fed these narratives, and then they promote them and their, and their corporate propaganda at best. Right. What, what happened to two sources, right? I mean, this, this yeah. classic concept of journalism <laughs> totally. just went out the window. It's like one guy from the CIA that we haven't even really met is telling us this, so <laughs> we're going to report it without question. You know, it's like, it's, just, it's pretty ridiculous. Well, and then it becomes a meme for six months. Like, they won't drop the stuff. It's like, wait a minute, what, you know, and so people even forget. I mean, and again, this is where the left-right paradigm plays in. Like, this Mueller investigation, I know I have so many quote-unquote liberal friends or progressive friends and they want Trump to be guilty so bad 
that they just, you know, they're like, no, Mueller has all this, there's all this evidence, he's indicted all these people, and and you're just like, where are the sources? Where's the actual evidence? And they can't, they just can't see it because there's been article after article after article pretending like it exists, and you, you know, you have to actually go all the way back to the original article to find that there was no source in the first place. This was just speculation that built and built and built until it's like this, I, I see it as, you know, actually, if you'll recall the, the Vault 7 releases that WikiLeaks did, they talk about meme warfare. Like they actually found in this Vault 7 release the CIA documents that disclose that the CIA engages in meme warfare. So when you hear, well, the term conspiracy theory, you know, we have primary documentation that shows that comes right out of the CIA. But when you hear something like fake news, it's like, oh, you know, what is that? That's a meme that just gets pushed as a narrative. And it's, again, like like we're talking about, once you see that this is how it operates and that the mainstream media colludes in this narrative and the, building these memes, and then they just go on and on assuming that the meme is true when there was never anything to it in the first place. Excuse me, I hit my mute button, which is a perfect example of the social programming. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's exactly what it comes down to. These things are planned out decades in advance you like this, the conspiracy theory aspect is something that is basically common knowledge today and people just disregard it mm -hmm. even to the point where they outline proper responses when you question the theory you know what i mean like it's like it's all laid out in there so we know that they create these memes with the intention of you know whether we even buy into it officially or not it's meant to keep us at the very least distracted from larger things yeah. and i think it's also important for people to understand that People like the Washington Post or New York Times or even someone like Alex Jones, who I kind of lump into the same category today. Yeah. They do still give you some bits of truth. That's the game, right? They will give you things that aren't actually true. But at the end of the day, they lead you in the wrong direction. Right. You know, that's the, the Alex Jones is like the original controlled opposition that was designed to catch this awakening movement. Right. And I think what happened with Donald Trump was this way of, you know, we were all really beginning to come around a lot more than I'd seen in a long time. Absolutely. And so Donald Trump was a way of grabbing everybody back into the mechanism. You know what I mean? And people like Alex Jones and these new alternative media outlets after him were meant to catch these newly awakened people, you know? And they, they said, oh, well, we get you right back in here. And they are like the QAnon thing. is such a perfect example yeah. of the way they just grab them and they think, oh, I found it. I found what I was looking for. It's the truth. And they don't look anywhere else, you know? And they're, and they're lost again. Yeah, Q QAnon is another story that's the same thing. It's like, okay, what's the source? Well, you don't know. It's this anonymous guy posting, okay, sorry, you've got to scratch that. I mean, if you know, to do good investigative journalism, you have to have discipline. It's just like anything else. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, I want Trump to be a good guy, so I'm going to imagine that QAnon is telling the truth and Trump is really playing 4D chess against you know, the deep state, and he's going to come out on top. I mean, and this is another, just like with the Mueller investigation, where my left-wing friends all just so want Trump to be guilty, and oh, we're going to get this Nazi impeached to finally out of the White House. My right-wing friends, they want, you know, they want Trump to be this kind of like amazing person that's actually going against the deep state. And I, that's, this is one example of how you and I think so much alike. I mean, that's why well, I'm so happy that I'm able to actually have a conversation with you because I just find that the whole Trump phenomenon really, like, I've watched it work. They wanted to take these quote-unquote conspiracy theorists that were starting to grow in numbers. Like, we're getting millions and millions of people that are, you know, I mean, I think there was a poll a few years ago said at least half of Americans, you know, doubt the 9-11 narrative. I mean, this means that they're starting to lose their grasp. 
So the next thing you know, we got Trump coming on. He's saying all the right things to like get these these conspiracy this conspiracy theory crowd to hop on board, throw in you know, some real anti-immigration rhetoric and some other stuff and suddenly, and turn it into this alt-right thing. I mean, the alt-right thing almost kind of took me by surprise, actually, and then lump him in. And so now suddenly conspiracy theorists are all Nazis. Or, you know, this is one meme that's kind of come out, which is like, where does this come from? But then the other thing is all the, all the, the people that kind of awoke, have awoken to, you know, some of this stuff, what's going on behind the scenes, they're jumping on Donald Trump as some kind of a savior. And it's like, this is exactly what they want. They want you to get Donald Trump in office. They want you to believe in him. And then they've got another four to eight years where they know that you're going to be rooting for your guy on your team and you're not actually going to be doing anything about it. Uh, to me, it's plain as day. And it's sad to see how many people right. have fallen for this one. I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very prophetic, very like evangelical. You know, these people are just, they are blindly buying into this as if faith is some kind of a, you know, like a honorable trait to have in politics. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, you doubt him. You should, you know, he's your president. You shouldn't be questioning what he has to say. Of course we should. That's exactly what this country's all about, or rather, at least we were told it was all about. And it's both sides have literally become these parodies of each other, right? Where these extreme concepts, like as if you would have gone back 50 years and you were to draw like a caricature of what one side's supposed to be like, right. that's what they are now. You know what I mean? It's like it's these extreme opposites. And it's almost become where they've like, it's become okay, not just okay, but almost like a badge of honor, like it's righteous to lie about something as long as you're doing it for the right cause. Right. You know what I mean? Like they'll bend the truth. Like the immigration thing is a great example, using fake pictures, like knowingly giving fake information because in their mind they're going, well, they're doing it. So I'm going to do it just to beat them even because I'm on the right side. Yeah. And it's like, that's just become the way it is now. It's, 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 it's really hard to overcome. It puts us in a very hard position. Yeah, I have this interesting theory. The same thing happened with Obama, if you'll recall, in 2008 when he won, because everybody's sick of the status quo. So they have to keep going back and forth between left and right. But then, and so, you know, every eight years you get a new president and everybody just, oh God, we're so sick of the Democrats. Now we're going to vote in the Republicans. And the Republicans get the House and the Senate and the presidency. And then they got like two years there where they have to figure out why nothing is actually getting because they never actually do anything. I mean, this is the whole, the whole thing is designed to be in gridlock so the military industrial complex can just do what it does without, you know. Um so they don't get anything done and then 2 years later everybody's sick of like, oh, well we voted in the Republicans now and so I, you know, like this November I'm just going to make a prediction there's going to be a sweeping victory for the Democrats, you know, <laughs> and they're going to get the house or the Senate and then there's going to be 6 years of gridlock where they can blame the fact that Congress does nothing on this partisan divide. And that, I, you know, I, I, go ahead. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say real quick that I, I almost feel like this is going to be the year where, and I would agree with you, right? That's probably what we would expect mm -hmm. because they have to do something. But the anti-establishment, I made this recommend the, this prediction back after Donald Trump got elected because they're really, even Obama was kind of this like anti-different establishment kind of guy. Right. Trump was like the embodiment of the anti-establishment, even while we had like Bernie and all these different people that were supposed to be like different, speaking things like borderline conspiracy theory. I bet you this is going to be the year where they give us something new, but it's going to be another dressed up anti-establishment candidate, sure. but like, but ultimately fulfills the exact same agenda, right? Because I think you're right. I think people are, 
more so than ever, at least beginning to, to question. I mean, Donald Trump feeds that, too. He pretends to be this anti-establishment guy. Totally. So all of his base it thinks they are, even though they're Republican. They're going to they're gonna feed that into this new kind of maybe like almost like semi-Republican-esque, but anti-establishment, right? Libertarian, like, you know, like just mm-hmm. off the cuff. And so, you know, maybe maybe that's what we're going to see. I mean, that's that's kind of where my mind goes. But I would bet if it's not that, you're right. It's going to be another a Democrat. But both of them are in the middle now. It's going to be something right in the same little pool of like Democrat, but I'm not. I'm anti-establishment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's what I bet. <laughs> well, that's yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all if a lot of these Democrats that are running are. Well, I mean, certainly they're going to pretend like they're Bernie Sanders supporters. I mean, Bernie, you know, is the and the news is going to talk about how the Democrats are going farther to the left now and they're true progressives and people are going to jump on that and think, oh, I'm now I'm voting for something different. Just like they thought they were voting for Obama. Obama was something different. He was going to change everything. The first African-American president, you know, uh, I don't really know. Gosh, I mean, that's where the left-right paradigm is so powerful and people just need to like, you know, it's like they just need to get over it. They need to stop rooting for their team. They need to realize, I, I don't even, you know, for me, I like to think uh, decentralization of power, work on your local community level to try to make things happen. Maybe, you know, uh, elect representatives that you can be close to uh, that might actually be honest in Washington, D.C. Um, but, you've, I mean, this whole making the president, I, and I don't, I've also gotten to a place, I just don't think the presidency has a whole lot of power. I look at it as a front person for uh, an organization. And we don't really know who owns the organization or who runs the organization. But I think, at least I feel pretty positive that the front man for the organization is someone that they hired for the job. You know, it's not someone that we voted in because of their policies. (laughs) Whether they're aware of it or not. I I haven't argued that Trump is probably a puppet, like that actually thinks that he's trying to do things, but he's just simply being handled to some degree. Right. Yeah. And, and, You know, having that perspective myself, it takes a lot of the, uh, like, somehow there's this power that people have. I mean, people, you know, oh, uh, I'm a Republican and I'm rooting for Trump and Trump's doing this and Trump's doing that. Or, you know, I'm rooting, I was rooting for Obama or I'm rooting for Clinton as if they're actually going to perform the policies and actions and beliefs that they're espousing on the campaign trail. I mean, it's like people, you just have to get over it and know that this isn't real politics. You know, they're telling you what they think you want to hear so you can be controlled. It has nothing to do with real policy or making any real changes. And I, you know, if, if there's something that I can get across with this podcast, I think you're doing the same with the daily wrap up is just try and get people out of that mold and start saying, Hey, there's, there are other forces at work here, you know, that we have to start paying real attention to if we're going to actually make change. And arguing for or against a certain stances that a certain politician is making in front of some cameras, I mean, that's not where it's at. Well, just look back how many how many years can we look back? You know, Obama, Obama forward is an easy way for people to wrap their minds around, but you know, how many years do we have to have where they say, here's what I'm going to do and then don't do it. Here's what we're going to do this time and not do it. Here's what we're going to do. It's like, they claim, oh, well, that's politics and it's back and forth. It's like, but, right. but so then at the very least, it means that it's broken. Like, so none of it's working. So let's just keep doing it over and over. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't get it. And I think people just like to win. 
I just think they want to be like, my guy made it this time. So I get to be the, you know, on the right side this time. Yeah. That's what it comes down to for me. I think there's no question that that's, there's something primal in human beings that once they want to be on the team and they want their guy to win. And that's why it's so easy to manipulate people using this left, right paradigm. It's, and it's so hard for people. I mean, I, you know, I try to have everybody that I have a political conversation with, eventually we'll get to their bias on the left, right paradigm. And I will try to nudge them just sort of gently into saying, well, I, you know, I don't really think it's a left, right thing, or let's look at this. Or I, you know, I do the same thing that you do, which is fascinating, which is like on my Facebook page, I'll be posting, uh, something from Caitlin Johnstone right next to something from the Ron Paul Institute, you know, because you're like, okay, my, you know, my left-wing friends, my right-wing friends, can you see that they're actually saying the same thing now? You know, if we can get past this facade, then we can start working together. But it is it is really challenging uh, because people are so Caitlin used to rooting Johnson. for that team. Yeah, so do I. I love, well, what's interesting about them is, like, you made a good point there, is that I, I often even, it surprises me that people like Caitlin Johnstone or that these kind of types are, they still, they still manage to associate with the one party, but you know, all good for them. They, 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 they like that, but it's people like Caitlin Johnstone that people need to emulate that regardless of what party she supports, she's very clear. She's pointing at Democrats too, saying these guys are crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, she very clearly has a grasp on what's really going on, but yet she still decides to associate with the Democratic Party. So good for her. But right. I almost wonder why they still do that to some degree. But you're right. I mean, there's 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 a lot of people now that have found this middle ground, regardless of what party they are. It's like this new party in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They, you know, we need to just get them together and create our own party and drive it that way. You know, it's. But I, I think the system's so broken. In my opinion, I I'm a no voter to be honest. Yeah. I advocate <laughs> every year for seriously for for abstention. I think that people forget that abstention, as much as it's branded as this like anti-American thing, it's quintessentially American. The, the beginning of this country was founded in the concept of, you know, yay, nay, or abstention. I mean, that's the whole point, right? And abstention was a show of of many different things, one of which being that you just completely disagree with the notion. Mm-hmm. So today, if we had 90% of the country who abstained from voting, that's a pretty big statement to the world, you know? And I think that's a, one, a step that we could try to take. That's what I often advocate for. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree with that, actually. First of all, and this is something that you might want to look into covering, I, I've done a couple of interviews about the, the black box voting. I mean, you've probably mentioned it before, but um, you know, our democracy is fatally flawed. For all that they're trying to talk about, uh, that the Russians did it. I mean, I just did an interview last week with John Brakey from Audit USA, who goes have been for 15 years going around and looking at you know, literally looking at the election processes county by county to be like, who's counting the votes? How are they being counted? You know, and you find that, well, they're all, all the votes are being counted by these vote counting machines that are programmed with corporate software that's proprietary. So no one's allowed to look into how they're counting the machines. Nobody actually knows if it's one vote, one count. You, you know, and so and then you're going around the country and you're finding, well, this is odd because the exit polls aren't really lining up with the actual polls. All kinds of red flags. The the people who vote at the voting machines doesn't line up with the mail-in ballots at all. I mean, wait, wide disparities that should be a red flag that should automatically call for a recount in any kind of functional democracy. And here in the United States, they're constantly sweeping that stuff under the rug. Anybody looks into it. He goes around the country. He says, I've been all over the country looking at this stuff. 
and I never found any sign of any Russians meddling with any of these elections, but I sure found sign that somebody's meddling with almost all of them, you know. So so this is an issue that Americans should be worried about. We talk like you're talking about, we're discussing, oh, do you vote? Don't you vote? Well, if the voting machines are all rigged, what difference does it even make? And is how is that a left-right issue? Like everybody, you know, right. we, we need to be on top of our democracy first and foremost. We all got to get together. But I totally understand why uh, why you don't vote. I was an abstainer myself until the Iraq War. Until George, I thought George Bush and Dick Cheney were so bad <laughs> that I started. I was like, I gotta vote. I had to vote for John Kerry, even though I didn't like John Kerry. You know, uh, I just figured maybe if he got more enough votes that they could they couldn't fix it, then maybe he would win. And it, uh, no, they fixed it. <laughs> You know, so. but I I still think I still think lesser of two evils dynamic is part of the deception. Mm-hmm. You know, just like we saw with Hillary Clinton, and like you could argue, there's there's documentation from WikiLeaks information that shows that they wanted Donald Trump in there. Yeah. We could argue that was because they thought he was going to lose, but the point is they were both there on purpose. And so it's like you know they, they the, 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 that's the the essence of the two party paradigm. They give us two choices, both put there on purpose, and regardless of who we pick it's still progressive the same agenda, you know? So that, that's part of that biggest problem. And I, this is where I tend to get much more pessimistic than I seem on, on a regular basis when it comes to, I mean, I, I, I don't think we ha- have a democracy. I could even make the argument that we've never had a democracy, yeah. but the way it comes down to in, in that voting, like you said, is truly, if this is all it comes down to, that we have to just stand up every four years, check a box and sit down and be proud of ourselves because we are part of a democracy, it's broken in the first place. But then you factor in, like you said, voter fraud and and super delegates and gerrymandering and all these different things that are designed to give the control to a very isolated group of people. It's pretty clear there's a thousand different control mechanisms along the line. So even if we find a way to get in there and make a change, they have a lever down the line they can pull and make sure that it comes out the way they want it to. Mm-hmm. And just like you pointed out, those machines, there have been people have testified in front of Congress, a man that was, and you probably haven't seen that interview where he, he was, he designed his machines. He testified saying that they've been manipulated and yet we're like, okay, check it down, manipulated next year. No one says anything. It's, we just carry forward. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, Brian, that you can, and I'll show people this. I've shown people that guy testifying in front of Congress. I'm the guy that wrote the software that fixed the election in Florida. Saying it in congressional testimony. And then they come out, the Conyers report comes out, says, well, yeah, it looks like the election was totally fixed in Ohio, probably fixed all over the country. Congressional report. What did they do? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> the news covered it for like a day and then it was gone and nobody did anything. And that's, I mean, God, you know, that should be a real, like people need to like look at that and go, wow, you know, this is not power of mainstream media. Yeah. That's the power of mainstream media that because they didn't cover it, I mean, more so then than today, but then especially because they didn't cover it. It just went away right. because the mo- most people don't know about it. And there are people like us are screaming at the top of our lungs. And then you get the average guy that goes, well, that can't be true because I watched the news tonight and it wasn't there. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh my God, well, it's crazy. You know, I think part of, and this took me a while, like I, I've described, it took me a while to, to really recognize this because you don't think the powers that be can control the media to that extent. Everyone's looking around, they're going... Well, there's, you know, a, there's 200 media, there's three, 400 media companies. They don't, and first of all, most people don't really recognize that there's five companies that own all 
you know, 85% of the media that we ingest, 90% of the media that we ingest. But then on top of that, they don't realize the level of collusion that really can happen behind the scenes to make sure that these narratives can get pushed. It's just so impossible for them to think that Fox News and MSNBC are actually working for the same people, you know, <laughs> that they're not, they're, they're just giving you two sides of the same coin and they're pushing these same false narratives. Um, and it's just, it, and it is hard to believe it. It's taken me a long time. There was recently a meme. Uh, I think you may have discussed it. I think it came out of in a global research article initially. It was on Zero Hedge uh, and some others where they showed the the corporation, the major co media companies, not just the five, but all, you know, like all the different newspapers and all the different uh, media sources. And then it showed that their CEOs uh, were and the presidents of the of these companies were all members of the Council on Foreign Relations. And you're like, oh, well, so here you can see that they all go to these, you know, CFR meetings and they collude on the narrative that they're going to push. And if the journalists don't push it, then, you know, they, they get forced out. And that's how, you know, the thing right. is, that's how censorship works in this. It's not that the, all the journalists are in on it. And it's not even that all the editors are like in on some big conspiracy, but the, the presidents, the CEOs, the owners of these media companies, they are actually colluding. They are in on this meme fabrication and this pushing of these narratives. And so, you know, the journalists at the bottom of the, of the heap, you know, they have to do what they're told or they're going to lose their jobs. I, the guy I was talking to uh, last week told me he was, he worked with a journalist who was covering the, you know, the election fraud story. And that guy lost his job. They told him, if you don't stop covering this, then you know we're going to fire you. He lost his job. Another right. guy that I interviewed, the, the journalist was killed. Mysteriously suicide. You know, just another mysterious right. life. Suicided. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard, I hear these stories from these guys. Like, this is how the mainstream media is manipulated. And it's giving everyone a, a false narrative. And yet, under the guise that it's some kind of free market and we have free speech here. And there's no censorship in the United States, you know? Right. Well, it's, it's willful. It's willful ignorance to a large degree because people don't want to admit that they're being manipulated. Obviously, it's hard for people to admit. Oh, well, I've been misled and wrong for, mm -hmm. for thirty years or however long someone's getting bought into this. But you make a good point there. We have to understand that it's the same thing I would say about like politics in general, or even like the police state or police stations in general. That these groups and this, these kind of people have been cultivated. Specifically, when you come when you talk about things like the CFR that control these things, they've been cultivated so long that, like you said, if, well, if you don't do it, you're fired. Get the next guy, yeah. and you put him in with the express understanding that, well, when it comes down to it, you do what I say, or you're going to be fired. He goes, okay, right? I mean, that's what these guys are talking heads. So we know that for a long time. And there's two big points to bring in. I don't know if you recently saw the the CFR the you know little Q and A they had where this the guy the CR, CFR guy was talking. And he openly said that he thinks it's it's good to have propaganda for the for the American people. Yep. And 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 it was so annoying to hear him say that. And then the last guy basically challenged him and he just was like, I don't like last questions. Let's move forward. <laughs> Let's finish. And just ignored the question completely. Yeah. And it's like just clearly he he said something he wasn't supposed to. And I think he realized that, you know? And the other thing I think is important that I'm sure you're aware of is the the concept of the the 2016 National Defense Authorization Act with the Smith Month Modernization Act, yeah. right? Where most people still don't grasp that that they literally legalized propaganda in the country, which before the Smith Month Act of I think it was what 1946 or 50s, I forget the date, yeah. but the, the original Smith Month Act made it illegal 
to use the kind of propaganda that, we, that everybody uses on other countries, right? Every country does it, which is why it's hypocritical for people to be calling out Russia. But mm-hmm. they legalized this in 2016 to allow this propaganda. To, so literally knowingly being able to put false information on CNN as long as it serves a national security purpose, which could mean anything. So it's like, like I would say, so that news story you saw tonight, that could be fake. You yeah. know, and, and that's legal as far as that's concerned. And the, what, the, why people can't put all just the stuff we've talked about so far in the show, put these things on a plate in front of you. It's pretty damn clear that all of these tools used together are, you know, are manipulating everybody's perception. It's pretty clear. Yeah. I have gotten to this place where I have realized, I mean, I used to get in these, I actually used to go out into my community and really try to sort of, you know, convince people. I was in a local discussion group. I used to do a lot of work with the local radio station where then I discovered, you know, the NPR people had taken control and they didn't want to hear, you know, if it's not on NPR, it's just not true. Um, But I have put things right in front of people's faces and they cannot, it's, it's, that's when I realized that what we're dealing with is this social engineering. It's brainwashing. These people are not, they are not thinking rationally. Like you're t- it takes this discipline. You're talking about two sources. Where's your two sources that corroborate this information before you publish it? And so when I read it, because I have, you know, I mean, I, I just have a background where I understand how to do good research. And so I know, you know, when I'm reading a news article that this is what I'm looking for. And uh, when I don't find it, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, that's that could just well be a bunch of crap. You know, I've got to I've got to keep digging if I want to find the truth. And I've I maybe I have the kind of personality that's just spent the time to do that. But so many people, they don't you know, they don't have the time. It's not their interest. Um, They're you know, they're not disciplined about it. So they're listening to CNN and they're just convinced or NPR. I mean, my God, NPR as a source. People swear by it. It comes from the guy. It's not corporate. You know, it's not corporate media. It must be. You know, it must be open-minded and it's so progressive and it's from the government and it's anti-corporate, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> they're all working together, people. It's they're all working together, you know? Right. Well, I think what's, what people have a problem with today is like you were just saying is that, you know, it's not, you don't have to dismiss everything, but just don't make it fact until you can have some kind of a verifying source. You know, mm. it's like we can, I, you know, we can still watch if you, if you want to, I, I try not to, but if you still want to watch mainstream media, just also try to compare it with other things you're watching and kind of put it all together and yeah. try to find actual source material. People just, I think it's just that people want, it's easy. That's part of the conditioning is that people are pacified to the point to where they're just, and, you know, it's a very kind of, um, uh, Aldous Huxley, new brave new world concept. And it's like, we're so bombarded with a thousand different possible narratives that people just check out. They're just like, uh, I can't deal with this. I don't even know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't trust anybody. So I'll just go with what's comfortable. CNN, Fox news or whatever aligns with the party. It makes sense. And you can't even judge them for it because we've all been there. Right. We were all there at one point. So it's just like, you know, it's like, it's like gently coaxing them out. Come on, you know, (laughs) let me show you this. You know, it's like, you have to just, that's what I tell people all the time. Just be patient. Plant the seed, back away, yeah. you know, and just try to be patient. That's what you got to do. I mean, I, you know, I, I was, I guess I was a little too aggressive. That's when I, I just, I finally pulled back away from trying to convince people. I thought, man, if I'm rational enough, if I'm logical enough, if I'm showing my source material, you know, people will come around. Um, and it just doesn't quite work that way, man. All you got, all you can do is like you're saying, you plant the seed, you walk away. If they come and ask you more questions later on, then great. Then you can show them, you know, a little bit farther down the rabbit hole. 
But um, it, it's just amazing. I mean, I got in, I had a reporter that I was working with for a little while that's a local guy. And he, uh, he had kind of finally revealed to me that, it, you know, he was even suspicious of the 9-11 narrative. He says, he says oh, well, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I am a little suspicious of the 9-11 narrative. I thought, well, you know, I'll have fun. You know, I'll show this guy some articles. And I would post, I would get on Facebook and I would find some articles that I thought were well-sourced from independent sources and I would send them to him and uh, he would come back and he'd be like that's just you know that that's I, I that's a crappy source I'm not listening to that and I'd say well why you know what's wrong with the sort you know here's the link to the source. I mean I was literally eventually trying to spoon feeding like here's the link to the source when I read the the source material for this article I thought it was pretty decent the guy actually ends up writing an article about me it, for the local paper, like in the local scene about how, you know, I'm just this crazy conspiracy theorist. And afterwards he admits that he didn't even read any of the articles that I sent to him because he just, he was like <laughs> afraid to even, you know, go there because for him, and whenever I would ask him like, well, why do you think that the Washington Post is a better source than, you know, Mint Press News or the Antimedia? And he's like, well, they've won Pulitzer's. You know, they've won these awards. They're a national, you know, nationally syndicated. And he just couldn't. And I, I mean, at one point I told him, you know, I don't care how many awards they've won. If I look at their work and it's shoddy, it's shoddy work, you know, <laughs> like, and exactly. I can show you example, but he, he wouldn't go there. I mean, and I've had, I've had many other examples like that in the community, trying to get people to like open, open up the door just a bit. I do think that the daily wrap up does a great job of just being able to like, you know, here it is. If you, I mean, I think people could, if they listen to you for a week, I think that they'd start and suddenly start to be like, what, you know, <laughs> what's going on? Really? Is that what's really happening? You know, that's one of the best compliments I get from a lot of people is that it's, it's like a bridge for people. Mm -hmm. Cause I really try not to go over the top and get into some of the things that like, like I said, where, you know, who talks amongst, you know, what you can call fast company or whatever you want to call it. We all know what we're all getting into, you know, we get real deep in these topics and yeah. to, to the average person, it just sounds crazy. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I, a lot of people say my show is kind of this bridge for people who are just starting to understand what's going on. And I take that as a huge compliment because that's what I strive to do is mm -hmm. reach those people and get what, as I say, I just give me, give me one more person every day, just one more person that was watching CNN. And I thought that's a success for me. Yeah. You know? That's the thing what we should all be aiming for is just that, that, you know, one more, get one more person to, an, to anically, or sorry, excuse me, critically analyze what's in front of them. As opposed to, like you said, the guy who's just like, well, it's, it's, it's Washington post. So yeah. that's, not, <laughs> that's not an answer, you know? It's yeah. Like, right. you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's fascinating, and it's it's difficult to kind of pry people away from that. They really, uh, the, it it really is. It's like people are so stuck, and it's that's when I really got turned on to this broader concept of the social engineering and the fact that they're doing this on purpose. They've they've and it is a brainwashing. You you talked about how they use some of the truth. Like this reminds me of some of the you know sometimes I look. Well, I look at the way that the elite and, and, and how much control that they have maintained in terms of controlling the education system, the media, uh, manipulating the, you, you know, the, the media so that we're all backing these foreign affairs ploys that are absolutely insane. 
Um, and I, it's a little bit, it's like, well, it is like a, a narcissist, like being in a relationship with a narcissist and the mainstream media is basically gaslighting all of us. If you're familiar with that term where it's like, they don't necessarily lie to you, but they want to get away with something and they don't want you to know what they're really doing. And they'll only give you enough of the truth that you believe the rest of the stuff that they're giving you. And it's, it's like being in yeah. a dysfunctional, like we have a dysfunctional relationship with our leadership class basically. And they're you know, they're pulling the wool over our eyes and they're manipulating us. And uh, people don't want to, as you said earlier, they don't want to believe that they've been so manipulated. Oh, and, and they trick you to make you doubt what you're thinking, right? I mean, that's really what that comes down to. Is yeah. that it's like, okay, so this person who may be just grasping this for the first time, they watch, they, they talk to somebody about it and they laugh at them. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, so they actually begin to doubt very clear, you know, like they'll have, they'll have like a signed affidavit from Congress and they'll begin yes. to doubt it because, because they laughed at you and you're like, oh shoot, well maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I misunderstood what I'm looking at, you know, and that's what happens to these people, you know? And it's, I think a lot of that comes back to education. I think that's, that's, that's one of the scariest aspects for me today. It's this, the way that the, you know, we, to understand that for the longest time, this like Prussian based schooling system that we have is very it's, it's cultivating. I mean, we can see it with what's going on today. You know, yep. it, ha it just so happens to be very left leaning, but I think it's bigger than that. But it's, these kids are coming out of these schools with just a very statist, you know, just like as if our constitutional rights don't even apply anymore. Mm -hmm. It's more about the way we feel. It's like, it's a frightening concept. And, you know, you could go into the, you know, sit the social justice warrior aspect. But again, I think it's bigger than that. And it, yeah. it, it frightens me to think about where we're going to be 20 years from now when they've gotten generation after generation pumped out of these indoctrinated schools. That's a scary concept. And there's the very, those are the people that are going to circle this one guy who's trying to speak truth and shout him down and make him feel crazy. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, how do you win against that? It's pretty scary. It is so challenging. I mean, I've been, I, I was told the same, you know, from this, like the same group of people I was in the discussion with, it was constantly like, I've got, you just have cognitive dissonance. You know, you can't break away. You're, you're looking, you're finding what you're looking for because you're looking for these things and you're going on these weird websites. It took me a while to, you know, I mean, they're, they're even trying to use these psychological terms against me. And then after a while, I was like, but I'm, I'm showing you this stuff and you won't even look at it. Like I'm reading your article and then I'm coming back at you and I'm saying, well, I have a problem with this because this source is pretty weak or, you know, this has this narrative, but it's not really backed by any facts. Um, what do you think about my article? And then silence, like they're not looking at my article, you know, and that's like, wait a minute, that's cognitive dissonance. That's when you will not break, you know, out of your paradigm and have no ability to even listen to what's going on. And that's, as you say, I think it's coming out of these, this school, this indoctrination system. People are, are taught through indoctrination and not through a personal exploration and an understanding of critical thinking. You brought up such an excellent point there. And I think that again is one of like just the pillars of social engineering, social programming is they, they recently more so than I've seen in a long time, they've hijacked a lot of the things we've used, even terms like the deep state yeah. now just like means the Democrats to right. some of these people. And it's like, whoa, 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 that's not at all what that means to the point to where we don't even want to use it anymore. And you, yeah. you, you <laughs> the cognitive dissonance, such an important point. They're pointing at you saying, no, you just don't want to see, but you're the one that's trying to engage and have a conversation yeah. and they're shutting down, but they're convinced that you're the problem. 
I mean, again, how do you overcome something like that? That's that is the, that is the perfect example of just the most deep embedded social programming that's almost impossible to overcome. And I've I've argued that I mean, clearly, I'm trying to reach everybody possible, but people like that, that especially ones with you know, not to be you know contradictory or rude to them, but ones with lower IQs or not very analytical. They're almost lost. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like those mm-hmm. people are going to be so embedded in what they think because they've committed to it. It's not even about analytical anymore. It's about because this is what it is. This is what I've grabbed onto. I'm going to be this way. I, we should be trying to reach those people that are very intelligent, but just misled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those are the ones that we really need to get over to our side. But it's like, yeah, it's you, that's such an excellent point because it's it's so often that we see these points being used. It'll even frustrate me. I'll get into a conversation with someone online and they'll 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 basically like call me something that I'm like thinking in my head they're doing. <laughs> you know, yeah. like shit, well he just took it from me. Like <laughs> classic projection is what it is and and yeah. I oh, mean totally. I forever I would be like, gosh, do I have cognitive dissonance? I am going to go back and reread my article and I'm going to am I you know, am I just Which reinforcing? Which means you don't right there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Totally. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but it and it it is amazing as you say that um they make it you know it's hard to be confident in your perspective when you're treated this way. Um, you know, and and I, eventually I did have to I came to that realization that hey, look, I'm doing the best that I can. I do have uh you know, I am applying critical thinking here and I am willing to engage in conversation. That goes back to the very beginning of what we were talking about, which was uh being open-minded. Do your, you know, telling people to do your own research. I'm not telling you how to think. I'm doing the best that I can. That keeps me open-minded. And when you run into other people that aren't open-minded in that way, well, that's when you get, you know, that's on them. You know, that's not on you. You're doing the best you can. And you should be, you know, really proud of yourself for even being able to engage in this critical way. It's not as easy as it, you know, it requires a certain level of discipline that not a lot of people uh, are willing to pursue, and you've got to be willing to break out of your paradigm. You know, think think different differently. Oh my God, I just discovered a fact that makes me think that the world's totally different than I thought it was five minutes ago. You know? Yeah, and it's 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 we have to understand that it's okay to be wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to be mistaken as long as you're willing to accept that and analyze what's in front of you and move a new direction, like you just said. That is that is paramount today mm. but it, it, people today will look facts right in the face and dismiss them because it doesn't align with what they want to see and again social programming but that's that's an important point to understanding this this kind of new step in the right direction is that we like you know we can have a conversation for half an hour and be able to be like well shoot you know you've changed my opinion and that's okay it doesn't mean that i was you know, everything I've ever done is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, we can't, we have to accept that's part of the discussion. Like we said, and like you said, back in the very beginning, civil discourse has almost been, been conditioned out of us. And mm. that's part of the entire agenda from the very beginning. So we can't have this kind of critical debate because when you do, it becomes very, very obvious. The people that are doing like what you said, they stand out like a sore thumb. It's right. like, well, we're clearly having a conversation here. You're screaming red face and pointing fingers. You're the one that's a problem. You know, it's it stands out. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's uh, it's going to take, I don't know, it's going to take a fair amount of work. And I, I like what you said about just planting the seed, you know, keep doing the work, plant the seeds and walk away and hope that they, you know, start to kind of get it because, uh, you can spend a lot of time engaging with people that aren't willing to hear, and it's not worth your time. You know, it's it's good to just get it out there. I'm so happy now that I'm 
doing this, you know, over the internet and talking to people like you that I agree with more than <laughs> trying to convince, you know, people at the NPR station that <laughs> that they should have more freedom of speech at their, com- you know, community radio station <laughs> and having them go, what do you mean? It's totally free. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, it, I think but it, it's, it's, it's just as important in my mind to reach those people. But you're right. It's nice to be able to have these conversations where we can you know, it, it, it does, it, it gives you a moment where you're like, okay, like I'm not completely crazy after you talk to someone like that, you know, and it's, yeah. it's nice to engage in these conversations and have actual intelligent discussion about what's going on. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah, like always those people, like it's, you, you got to plant that seed and walk away and hope, you know, what's funny is more often than not you do that. And then when they do understand it, they come back to you a year later and go, guess what I just figured out. It's right. like, oh yeah, I'm the one that did that a year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't remember that, but. <laughs> yeah, that's classic. Let's uh, let's spend a little bit of time getting into some of the specific issues because uh, you know you've been covering I, you've been covering a lot about Syria, of course, um, you and the pedophilia aspect and the the constant hypocrisy of of the government um, in terms of like James Comey lying to Congress and nothing happens uh, over and over again, or you know seeing the guys that are 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 openly busted doing this, these corrupt actions. And then they get a promotion afterwards, you know, and you're like, wait a minute. But, um, you know, you've done these interviews with like Eva, Eva Bartlett and Vanessa Bealey, which I really loved. And I love the work that those guys are doing. It's great that you were able to, to actually talk to them. And, um, this thing in Syria, this most recent thing in Syria really blew my mind the most where there just was no chemical attack. Like, they, you know, they faked a chemical attack. There was no... Ke- and then the mainstream media pushes this narrative. And then they bombed Syria the next weekend. And everybody, oh, we love Trump. You know, now we love Trump because he bombed Syria. But there was no attack. It's just mind-boggling. You've got, I got to believe that when the mainstream media pushes stuff like that, that people can start to wake up. When you've got a guy like John Pilger going to Syria and saying, there was no chemical attack here. I mean... It's just yeah. mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling to me what they've gotten away with in Syria. I can't believe that people still think we're fighting ISIS over there. Like, that was a meme that they pushed two years ago, and it's so obviously not true at this point. Uh, the mainstream media doesn't even hardly cover it. I mean, when they do, they mention ISIS like they're the enemy, kind of, but they don't even, you know, two years ago it was beheadings every other day. <laughs> right. It's it's very it's it's very nice of ISIS to put their stuff on hold while we're focused on Assad. It's yeah. very kind of them, <laughs> yeah, you know, right, how right. it all always works out like that. Like like I made that point a while back about North Korea, while they were all of a sudden I, there was an issue in Syria, and it's like, oh, how kind of Kim Jong Un to put all of his stuff on hold while all so everything's cool for now. Right. Six months later, okay, now we're back on him. Oh, it's happening all again. You know, it's it's clear how it just jumps back and forth. But you're right, the the whole thing there in Syria was just such an obvious game, and Man. it's it, and the point. That we're, now we're getting into this realm where we're seeing new predictions of false flags being prepared actually by U.S. personnel in, right. in right, right near the Al Jafra oil field, and and how you know then just and Brand, people like Brandon Tubeville and and Whitney, and Whitney Webb from Mint Press News they predicted the last one. You know, like they talked about it well before it happened, saying, totally. "Here's they already said it's going to happen." Russia's warning about it. White helmets, Al Nusra, and then it's exactly what happened. It's you know, unbelievable. And, it's unbelievable yeah. that the Russians can come out and be like, "We have intelligence information that says they're going to plant a false flag 
the false flag happens. The Russians then say, I mean, I got to wonder what these Russian diplomats even think sometimes. Like, oh my God, the Americans are, you know, what are they doing again? They're doing this again. They're making up some crazy fake narrative. They're using it as an excuse to blow some people up. You know, like what? I mean, they come out and they say they're going to do it. Then they do it. And then they prevent the OPCW from going in there and checking it out. And then they even blame that on the Russians. Like the Russians aren't letting us in there. Which was false. Yeah, they oh definitely was the, the, the UN people themselves held them back. But yeah, it, it's it, it's also important though, like, and just for the sake of argument, like this is what people like us do on a regular basis, which is also an insight to why we're more open-minded and critical than the average mean, mainstream media. Yeah, but sure. it, it is indeed possible that Russia could be, say, presenting this narrative so they then could carry out an attack. Right. And it would seem like that was them. But then you have to stand back and go, okay, so that's possible, right? But what do we have in front of us? We have the clearly that doesn't make sense from a militaristic standpoint. So unless you're going to go with the these people are maniacs and that's makes sense, which right. is just a dumb scapegoat answer. It's, oh, they're just crazy. Okay, well, fine. I, I can't but, believe but, how much they apply that to Assad. Assad's yeah. just a brutal dictator. Well, what about the fact that he's been pushing for democracy ever since he took over from yeah. his dad? What about the elections right. in 2014 that international yeah. observers say were incredible considering they were in the middle of a civil war? Like, and they're calling yeah. him the butcher Assad all over the news, and people eat it up. It's like, oh, or, or any number of other things. The fact that all the people there that you interview on the ground all seem to be pro Assad, and all, yeah. I mean, all, there's a hundred different reasons to make that very clearly not the case. Yeah. Even just watching him in interviews. But then, and it back to in the Russians thing. It's or it's the it's the, the other thing to consider is who is giving us information, right? We have we have the the Americans, the, the United States government saying. They're lying. We have information, but we can't show you. Right? That's always what it goes yeah, like. And yeah, the Russians totally. come out and say, "Here's our press conference. Here's everything we have. Here's doctors on the ground who've said this. Here, and even if you want to go, okay, all of that's fabricated. Yeah, a, a logical person has to go. Okay, we have nothing over here, and all this information. You, you you have to make the decision with what's in front of you. You can't just blindly be like, well, we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. That's very juvenile. You know what I mean? It's like you can't do that. And that's what, we, that's what we're confronted with every single time is that we're fighting for good and they're maniac evil villains. So yeah. we are, you know, just blindly trust what the government says, even though they've lied a thousand times in the past 20 years. You know, it's just ridiculous. You know, the thing about it is like you're talking about for the, the first time the Russians came out and said stuff like this, I could I could go, OK, maybe the Russians are, you know, setting us up. Maybe there's something going on behind the scenes. And I still I actually get this from a lot of people that I talk to. A lot of people think, well, yeah, the American government does this bad thing. But all governments do these bad things and that, you know, we're just having to protect ourselves against these other governments that are doing these. And, I, and then I look at the at the, you know, so the first time I saw the Russians do something like I was like, OK, maybe they're lying. The second time, the third time, you know, the Scripal case, the <laughs> the fourth time, the fifth time when they're I, like, I'm starting to go like I think they're legitimately trying to tell the truth. Like, I think they're just trying to get, you know, let people know what's really going on and that it's our government that's you know, lying to us through our teeth and just counting on the fact that people are going to think we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. And so... I think we just have to get past the good guy, bad guy point in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah. I, don't think any, I, I will go with the narrative that all of the governments, when it benefits them, sure. will bend the truth, will manipulate us. Sure. I think it just very clearly behooves Russia at this point 
to be the way they're being because right. we're going like, look, at they're actually telling us the truth, even if they're like in a back room going, yeah, we should tell them the truth because it's going to make them look bad. <laughs> it still doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's like it still serves the purpose of showing us that we are being lied to by our own government to serve a very nefarious end that is putting the very people they're supposed to be protecting in danger. Yeah. You know, regardless of the narrative or the, the context around that, there's no way to, to, you know, you look at a place like Yemen. It just, you can't deny the fact that these oh. people, this, this, this faux humanitarian cover that goes over these horrendous agendas that leave the very country they claim to be fighting for in a ruin. You know, it's just, again, I, I go back to that concept that even if all of these trail of just, just decimated countries was all done from this place of like, oh, we're really trying to help these people. Maybe we should stop letting them try. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? like one after the other, just in complete ruin. Libya has got an open slave market. And yeah. the very people they tried to, you know, they, they, they empowered and funded are the ones running it over there now, these extremist groups. It's just, it's just if, if you can't acknowledge that, at, like I said, at the very least, that they're not doing it right then you're being willfully blind to what's going on. You know what I mean? And that's that's what it comes back to for me. Yeah. I I, got, I mean, all things continue to point to this, this brainwashing propaganda that I think is just so effective here in the United States that they cannot see beyond. Like, you know, some statistics are saying that we killed over a million people in Iraq. Like, you know, Jesus, people. Like, wake up. You know, you what? You can't, I mean... I just don't understand how the average American is walking around thinking that what their government is doing is for these humanitarian purposes in any way, shape, or form, and yet, it's, I mean, fighting for democracy. Oh, we care about democracy over there. I mean, the whole Arab Spring meme that was in the beginning of the whole Syrian thing, like, they, does, like, does anybody even really believe that right now? Like, I, I mean, maybe I'm so far removed from the mainstream media, but I can't believe I remember watching... I don't know if you saw this, but Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard went over and talked to Assad, actually spoke with Assad, and then she comes back to the United States, and she's on CNN, and the journalist is asking her questions like, how can you stand to speak with a butcher like Assad? And Tulsi was just like, like <laughs> I mean, she actually kind of took him seriously enough to give him some straightforward answers. I don't know if I could have kept a straight face. Like, the guy was just asking these baited questions that were just making these crazy assumptions about what was really going on there. And you just, I don't know, it's so difficult to comprehend that the, the, the general American public can lap some of this stuff up when it's almost, it's, it's so sloppy. Like again, this last yeah. fake chemical attack was not even like, if I'm going to produce a false flag, I can do a better job than that. Come on guys. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> aren't you professionals yeah, I, at this? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that just these, they don't necessarily, it just needs to appear a certain way. Yeah. I've often argued that more people than we like to believe, or that we, that we like to believe, that they would like to believe, are beginning to question these things. You know what I mean? Like, the, it's the sure. false majority. As long as they can get a very select group of people in a very high position, like in the elite status, you know, Hollywood, to go along with these agendas, then they can present it to the world as the majority. You yeah, know what I mean? And I for think, sure. And I'd like it's it's my hope that a lot of people are beginning to question it. But you know, then then you see things like we're talking about on the other side, and it's you need to begin to question that. But yeah, you're right. It it just seems it just seems juvenile. But maybe that's because we're on the outside looking in, and it does. It looks cartoonish. It looks ridiculous. Yeah. Like, but people just buy these things. You know, just 
completely. And, and it, it, it's frustrating to see. But that's what they do on places like CNN, where they'll bait Tulsi Gabbard and, and make her look crazy yeah. for even having the nerve to talk to. Like, remember, it's funny. They were just saying that about, you know, Kim Jong-un, you know. Right, four months, a few months ago. Oh, he's a maniac, and he's we. There's no dealing with someone like that, and then oh, but now we're dealing with him. You know, so now it's different because now it suits our agenda. It's you know, it's, it's just it's surface level. Now. All this stuff is so plainly obvious to see. Right, that, you know, Yemen is what I continue to bring up because oh. it is so. Like you brought up the concept of the children die or the five a million people dying. Yemen is projected to be in the tens of millions of people dying based on the actions of what's going on with the U.S.-backed Saudi-led coalition. I just had a video censored by YouTube yesterday. Wow. It was, it was a video I put up that was entitled U.S. Coalition Responsible for Killing 370 Kids in Yemen. And that's a fact. There was a U.N. report that came out saying that the U.S.-backed Saudi coalition was directly responsible for 67% of the child deaths in Yemen, which, which was 370. That's their own number. Like I literally quoted the UN report, right? And they censored the video saying it was misleading information. Wow! And I, it's just they, there's a, there is an absolute media blackout on what's going on in Yemen, and I, I, there's a reason for that. I, I think I, that's I argue that's why we're seeing this immigration, and I get so frustrated when I see people like Rachel Maddow crying about children being mistreated, while their very policies that they're you know frothing at the mouth to promote are killing millions of children in a country over here. And we're just, that's not happening. Let's point at these other children who are being kept in cages. That's been going on during Obama and Bush and all, you know, all these different people. And it's just, it's just so contrived and it frustrates me to see that people can't see what's really going on there. But again, I think it's willful. I think people don't want to admit to themselves that they could have a government that's capable of something like that. Yeah. That's a horrifying thought. Yeah. I, I think you're definitely right there. I mean, that's one of the things that makes it easy for a lot of people to have the wool pulled over their eyes. You you want to think of yourself as the good guy. I've even actually I've heard you do this on your show because and I and I I stumble over the same thing. I have a tendency when I'm talking about the American military to say we or the American government to say we, and I've had to kind of train myself to go no no this is something that they're doing. I'm not doing this. I'm not a part of this, and it makes it a lot easier for me to be more objective and say, oh, you know, what the U.S. military is doing is is immoral. You know, this is unjustifiable. Um, but so many people see it, again, as this us versus them mentality, this thing that's been indoctrinated. I mean, we're saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day in school growing up. I mean, what's going to happen to your mind? You, yeah. you want to think that we're all working in concert together and we must be doing this for a good cause. And, and uh it makes it really easy to pull the wool over people's eyes that no, you know, they're just stealing resources. They're just growing opium over in Afghanistan. They're they're drug dealers. That's what's happening. You know, they've been right. there for 17 <laughs> years growing tons and tons of opium and they're not going to leave because they need the military over there to guard their opium crop. I mean, you know, like, otherwise we'll, we'll stop. We'll lose the opiate epidemic here and they'll lose all that money. You know, it's I know. Like, right. <laughs> terrible it's such a macabre thing to laugh about but it's so true you know it's like it's so oh. plain to see that the opium product you know it rose 90 percent. the production rose 90 percent right after they took over right yeah. after the taliban had almost annihilated it it's like oops what a coincidence you know it's, it's just so it's so obvious it's very sad and, you know and one thing you, you kind of touched on there which which i think is important for people to think about is that you know, we talk about these things and we talk about the, you know, pointing out that people try to frame it that if we say that, oh, the government's doing this and it's evil, that we're somehow anti-American. Yeah. That's one of the biggest agendas today to make us seem like we're somehow against America. 
when it's almost absurd that these uber Americans today, self-titled, are so blind to what's going on, they can't see that what we're doing is quintessentially American. It is the definition of American to question the authority figure, to stand against a tyrannical government. That's what this country was founded on. And it's like, we're standing up saying they're doing something that's wrong. And it's and it's why we should think that after generations of generations of these people being voted in, as the system gets worse and worse, that we're just supposed to blindly trust them. That's just ignorance. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and it's like we can't stand back and ask ourselves, you know, simply question what they're doing as an American. I mean, there's a big problem there, and I think I mean, that's something we have to really analyze as an American people. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at some point uh, Americans really have to do some serious soul searching. Uh, you know, again, this recognition that. I mean, it's our government. I've been going through a lot lately that our, you know, the government is so good at creating these enemies, and they're they're basically fabricated enemies. I mean, you know, even in, during the Cold War, were the Russians really ever going to attack us? Were they really that evil? Were, were there communists, you know, knocking on every door? And then what I discover when I read history is that these quote unquote communist governments, really all they were doing was nationalizing their resources, which means they were their own people were selling the oil instead of the U.S. corporations or the British corporations selling the oil or the resources, you know, and then in the press, it's, oh, it's, we have to fight communism, the evil of communism or the evil of terrorism and this fabrication of the enemy to scare the American public into thinking that we're fighting for this good cause when really it's just about resources and control of the land and, you know, the, these global manipulations for control. And yeah. it's uh, it's challenging for people to wake up to that, to realize that the people who are in control of this system are just out for themselves, and they're fooling us into thinking we're doing it for some kind of noble cause. Yeah, yeah, you know, it really comes back to control. I don't know if you're familiar with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Really Graceful. She has a YouTube channel. Does really excellent work. Okay. Um, she did a recent video called uh, "What the Mainstream Media Won't Tell You About China." And it, it, it's interesting that it's it's also important for people to understand that it's not just us saying, look, the U.S. government's evil and bad, and it's the first one ever. This is It goes larger than that. This is about Western imperialism. This is going on well before the United States was established. And she makes this excellent point about how the British government used opium during the opium wars to manipulate China at a time when they were thriving. Right. And really, really well, it's kind of like as much as you may say it was like authoritarian or however it was ruled back then – in a way, they really strive to be like this moral kind of just society, and they flooded them with opium to the point where their society crumbled, and that's why they tumbled to the point where they're you know only in the last so many you know hundred years or so they really started to succeed again as far as you know economically in the world stage. Clearly, China's on track to you know overcome the United States economically in the world today, mm -hmm. and it's interesting to understand that. This was all fabricated. It was used as a way to break down their society so the British government could come in and, and manipulate their trade markets that were dominating the world. And it's like that, that it's, it's a, you know, they take the same model and they apply it different ways. They have to create an enemy and make it, you know, make to get, get the people behind it, you know? And it's like ISIS is a great example today, yeah. which we can verifiably show was at the very least funded and controlled by the Western powers. You know, and and it's like you know, like we you talked about earlier that they're maintaining this little. You know, we have ISIS in Syria right now that they're like allowing to maintain there. They won't allow them to go away. They're keeping this little sliver so they can so they can maintain this excuse of saying, "Oh well, we can't leave because we have to finish fighting ISIS." Right. Meanwhile, they're overthrowing Assad. Is the, is the point? You yeah. know, that's what it, <laughs> it all comes back to. They protect them. I just actually reported in that same video that was censored about how. 
the Iraqi government is calling out the U.S. government right now for that. There was a recent attack on on uh, SSA forces, which was also PMF Iraq forces uh-huh. that the U.S. denied and said, oh, it was Israel. Israel said, you know, we're not going to comment. It turns out Iraq's finding out that it was a U.S. coalition strike wow. on, on the SSA troops while they were fighting the last little ISIS pocket. It's just, you know, pretty clear. And Iraq's pretty upset about it. Yeah. You know, go figure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is amazing when it comes to foreign policy. Um, I don't know, you know, this is an this is an area where I think that American, uh, the American public really doesn't even have any influence or any say over foreign policy whatsoever. I mean, we basically, you know, they they scare us, they create an enemy. Uh, it doesn't. I mean, where's the anti-war movement right now? Like somehow they've managed to neutralize basically any voice that anyone has to say about anything that happens outside of the United States. Um, probably it's true for what is happening inside the United States as well. But it certainly seems like, I mean, we can argue foreign policy until we're blue in the face, but they're going to do whatever they want. And I mean, this, this, these actions in the Middle East, um, it's just pretty unbelievable, I think. And it's hard to believe that the, uh, that the American people can't stand up and, and do something about it. But uh, hopefully, like you say, one person at a time, you know, we can start to, we can start to wake people up to the point where there will be a critical mass. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's really all we can do. I mean, that, that's what people often argue, you know, well, what do we do about it? You know, give me something, you know, the people want solutions. And mm. it's like, well, you know, yeah, there's, there's plenty of things we could talk about, right? There are, there are ways to try to enact change today, to affect change, whether you're talking about, you know, actually getting involved in politics or protesting or whatever, but truly we can't really do anything until we can get more people involved in what's going on. But honestly, sadly enough, I hear from a lot of older, you know, activists from, you know, from a long time ago that say it's always been like this, that you're always fighting to get the people in and they're, and they're always pulling them back out from somewhere else, Yeah, you know? So it's like this fruitless effort, but I would rather do this and for the rest of my life than sit back and just be resigned to be like, well, that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's you know for what I mean? sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to do something and hopefully, you know, more and more people will be doing something about it. And at least, I mean, I, you know, I've actually had these thoughts because we say that, you know, since the internet's come out, well, oh, I mean, that's how I kind of got woken up. We get, we, we have all this information, but I see that these guys, you, you know, there were conspiracy theorists writing in the, 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s you know and those guys must have been really crazy like going to the library every day and looking up you know these alternative histories without really having the internet and then spewing about how oh you know abc and cbs and nbc are all controlled and you know the mockingbird <laughs> press and everybody around them just going you're just a total nut job you know at least, <laughs> i mean you gotta admit that uh, more people are kind of waking up to what's happening than and uh, you got to give those guys credit back in the day for yeah. for really standing up and fighting the good fight even against all the odds i mean the information yeah. the information has always been out there for people that have been open minded enough to be able to see it and of course you know it makes sense that this elite class is going to be fighting for for control of our minds really um and you know but they can only do it as far as we allow them to so ho- hopefully more and more people will be waking up to this kind of critical thinking that you're talking about. The one other thing I, we kind of touched on it earlier, but, and, and what you just said reminded me about this idea of how uh, I have found that the elite often co-opt. I mean, this, this methodology of co-optation is a real tool that they use that prevents, I think, grassroots movements from getting off the ground because just as soon as, I mean, I think you could see it with something like black lives matter. I mean, it, you know, it's happened recently. I, and, uh, I always go to uh, the Tea Party 
as well. The Tea Party started out as a basically bipartisan, although I think a lot of it was libertarian, uh, trying to audit the Federal Reserve. That was their one thing that they wanted to do, was get people to audit the Federal Reserve. And uh, Koch Brothers' money moves in, and everybody thinks, oh, the Tea Party's this right-wing part of the Republican Party, and nobody's talking about auditing the Federal Reserve anymore, you know? Yeah. They, they've become an extremist edge as opposed to something more in the middle, you know? And it's like, that's, you're so right. And it's something I talked about with James Corbett is where it, it, this is one of the easiest ways they come in and make sure that these movements don't go any further. The Occupy Wall Street movement is a great example where, where essentially, right. as, as Lenin said, right, if you want to really control a movement, you got to lead it, you know, and these people will hijack the movement and come in, but not stop it, right? They continue, they just drive it in a different direction, mm -hmm. like you just said. Mm -hmm. And as far as Occupy is concerned, we now know that it, there was FBI people at the very top of that leading where it went. So it never really went anywhere. It made them look like a bunch of listless children that really didn't know what they wanted. But in reality, there was a lot of really good people in that that were really trying to do something good. Mm -hmm. And it never went anywhere, which is, it's, you know, that's got to be really depressing for the people that built that and then saw it get taken over by something that was never, you know, or even like the green movement or like, you know, all these different things are, you know, talking about like climate change and these different things are all of these things are generally based on something that probably started with a good intention. You know, totally. understand that, yes, we are hurting this planet or yes, we do need to start doing things a different way. Mm -hmm. But now it's getting hijacked and it's almost like the green movement is like pro corporation. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. how does that even happen where you're literally contradicting what it's all about? But that's you're right. I mean, that's exactly what it comes down to. They take it over for themselves. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we all have to watch out for, and somehow we have to be able to transcend this because this is how they do it. They don't—they don't just come out. I mean, that, you know, the thing about it in the United States is that people—you know—you have this idea in your mind about what tyranny is, and it's they're burning books and they're, you know, throwing people in the gulag for speaking out against the the president or whatever or the leader. Um, and it doesn't really work that way. It works in this other, more subtle way where you know they shun you if you talk about things that are too too odd or you know you don't get that good job because or you you know you kind of get pushed out of your good corporate job because you're talking about too many too many strange things or you know they don't come at the movement with tanks they co-opted in this way suddenly you've got you know somebody from the FBI or COINTELPRO or one of these people that sneaks their way in and you know, just twists it a little bit so it doesn't really quite work anymore. Um, and I don't know how, you know, the American people can wake up to this. I, I you know, There's a couple of statistics <clears throat> that jump out to me when it comes to the United States. I mean, this is, you know, people believe that this is the freest society in the history of the world, basically. The best democracy, the most solid democracy that there is. We've got more people in prison than any other society ever. I mean, what's the definition of a police state? Well, how many, what percentage of their population was in prison? Oh, wow. The United States has more people in prison than anybody else ever. That must be the biggest police state ever, right? But Americans can't see that. No, it's all the pot smokers, man. They need to go to jail. Those, <laughs> you got to throw those guys in jail. <laughs> all right. Well, the most surveilled people in the world. I mean, the NSA, we all know, sucking this information up. You know, everything, every email, every message, everything you say, uh, Americans don't seem to get that. Like the East German Stasi wishes they had the kind of surveillance that we have now. Yep. Uh, I mean, crazy. The statistic that came out, um, the other one that really blows my mind, the United States has killed like 30 million people since World War II. 
like, you know, Vietnam and in the Middle East and just all over the world. And it's like, okay, you know, no other country even comes close. Like America, wake up, you know, understand that this is not what it appears to be. I mean, it's because we have a higher standard of living, which is slowly eroding away, uh, you know, yeah. people tend to fall for it. Another point you, I should throw in, is, it applies to that specifically, is very interesting, that uh, a guy named Philip Alston from, from the United Nations did a report on the United States over the last year, I think, and it was recently released, that showed over 40 million people live in extreme poverty in this country. Right. And the point that he made was that it, 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 it ultimately comes down to a political, his words, a political choice sure. by the people in power. Because we know very well that you know it would take what I think the, the UN quotes like $30 billion a year to end world hunger. <laughs> but yet we can't break off a fraction of our over a trillion year we spend on military that we don't need. It's bigger than the next 11 combined. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a clear choice that we don't want to solve these problems. But in the United States specifically, which is what we're talking about, it's it's there's there's he said that there's more people that have like that you know food insecurity and this this wealth inequality it's it's unbelievable mm -hmm. that we can still think that we live in the this best grandiose country in the world and it's the the concept of number one has been out the window for a very long time I mean we're 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 the only we have number one in like the worst possible categories <laughs> we're not number one in obesity anymore but it's like you know like as far as like child infant mortality all these just horrendous things that you're going like that can't be true and you look it up you're like wow you know and then when you and then you look at the things where you think we'd be number one on as far as like literacy and and we are way down the list below yeah. countries like Kazakhstan and you know not that they're even like a bad country but it's just people and Americans wouldn't be able to grasp that like wow we can't be below those countries it's like right it's, it's pretty crazy the very countries the United States is destabilizing and overthrowing yet they've got a higher literacy rate than we do you know it's like it's it's just pretty interesting to see how that plays in you know yeah i mean i think actually it keeps going back to this amount i mean i think what it, the u.s is number one in is propaganda uh, yeah, they really okay. have nailed it in terms of convincing everybody that we live in this kind of a world i mean i i think about it a lot just in the commercials i try never to watch commercials but every once in a while i slip one in and i'm always looking at the you know people hanging out in their bedroom and i'm like to live it, have a bedroom look like that, these people must make a half million dollars a year. You know, everything's perfect and nice, and they're super upper middle class in all the commercials that you ever see. And it's like, what, you know, is that 10% of the population maybe that lives like that? If you watch yeah. TV, you think everybody lives like this. Hey, it's the United States, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's intense. It's, I mean, that, that that's all consuming today. And I think you make a good point there is that they definitely project that image to the world too. Yeah. I mean, that's what they try to show is that this, you know, look at this amazing place. But I, I think more so than Americans, the rest of the world is beginning to get wise to like, okay, well, they're, 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 they're coming for a fall. They can see that what we're doing is not sustainable. And it's whether you're talking about economics or, or just civil unrest. I mean, we are getting to a point, but someone like James Corbett would argue that that's part of the plan that, you know, the, 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 uh, what are they, what does he call it? The, uh, or, orchestrated fall of the West, engineered fall of the West. Sure. You know, which is an interesting point to consider, you know, that is leading to this new world order concept, you know? I tend to think that that must be the case. I mean, I, you know, I think that back in the like post-World War II era, the corporations are making all this product and they have to sell it to somebody. So they pay the American worker good money so they can afford to buy it. But eventually they got to, you know, China, China has 2 billion people or what, a billion and a half people. And uh, that's a huge market. India has another, 
you know, 900 million people or something. Once they've got these huge markets that start to open up, suddenly they're selling their stuff over there. They don't need us. And we become expensive workers. And then I think you're starting yeah. to see, so you see the offshoring and you see everything else. And I mean, these guys now are investing in China and India and they don't really care about what happens to us. And so I, I yeah, that, that's an interesting point, though, is that, that that also that these people that we that we're talking about, that these kind of like, you know, behind the scenes people that are bigger than everything, you know, that they're, they're, right. they don't they're not national. These are international people. So they don't think in the boundaries of you know, what's best for the United States, right? Totally. So you're right. They, they're trying to lead us to whatever's the best for them and the most profitable. That makes sense. It's a good point. Yeah. I think maybe the one thing we could probably start closing it up, but we could end on just, a, we've started to touch on it, but this discussion about U.S. military spending, which is just outrageous. And you talk about it a lot on your show. And I know, you know, that when people start, uh, one of the things that you brought up is that R Russia just announced that it's cutting its military spending. Like it's, <laughs> And, and uh, you know, that makes it kind of challenging to describe the Russians as the big, bad, evil boogeyman that are catching up to us militarily. Right. And I'm like, well, we're spending five times what they're spending. And, you know, why? It's That's the most amazing thing to me is that basically, I mean, it seems like our whole economy is is contingent on uh, on all of this defense spending. What would happen if, you know, we'd have to retool the whole economy? I, I want to say something else, too, that that you brought up that you're the only other person that I've noticed that has put this together. And I was, I was really excited about the $21 trillion that's missing. I actually did an interview with Catherine Austin Fitz, who was the first person who figured that out. So I talked to her about it and then she got a guy from university of Michigan uh, who first contacted her and said, you've got to be crazy. And she said, well, here's the, you know, look it up for yourself. Here's my material. Tell me if I'm wrong. Just, you know, just like we're saying, you just approach, here's the facts I got. See what you find. And then he was like, oh my God, she's right. There's $21 trillion missing right. from the government over the last, and I had the same thought. And then you brought it up on your show. That's the, that's the national debt. Right. But they're just <laughs> like siphoning off the debt money and spending it somewhere, doing something with it. It's like, what? And they're making right. us, our tax money pay interest to themselves over it all, you know? And good for him for actually being able to change his opinion, right? The guy coming in and being like, you're wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. And then going, whoa, you're right. So I'm going to promote that. Yeah. Good for him. More power to that guy. You know, it's, it was, and it I was think great. Catherine Austin Fitz actually discovered that back when it was like 9 trillion, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. She's been harping ago. on it for it's years. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And I will say though, that because the guy, and I wish I could remember his name, people can look it up, but the, the guy from University of Michigan He's actually gotten that number out there into the mainstream in a way that, you know, people would never quote. I don't know if Lee Camp would be talking about it, for example, if mm -hmm. uh, if this guy hadn't come out with it, because, you know, Catherine, Catherine's far out enough that people the mainstream's not touching her anymore. <laughs> she yeah. got herself in enough hot water back in the day. <laughs> right. So, yeah, the, the, the one point I, about I love the... her. She's great. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying a big set. I I just love her stuff. I'm glad she's out there. She's really done a lot for for the movement in general. But oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, she's somebody that everybody that you know maybe just be waking up to certain things should definitely research for sure. Yeah. But the 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 21 trillion thing is important. I mean, I I think that it. It, there, it definitely is a correlation there. I mean, it, it could simply just be a coincidence that they're the same number, but not at the, the very least, it shows you that if we didn't have this just missing, unaccounted for money, 
we wouldn't have a debt, which is a pretty crazy concept to understand. Yeah. But I think it, what people need to understand, wrap their minds around. I've, I've been quoting the more than the next eight countries combined for a long time. Uh, yeah. It's now, I guess, more than the next 11 countries combined. I just, for, that's the new number. But also that the, I learned this from a Whitney Webb article that when you really do the numbers, the United States accounts for more than half of the world's entire military spending, wow. which is something that absolutely blows my mind when you read, especially when you get into the lies about needing to combat the new threat. It's like more that more than half. And then, and then you understand that we don't, we get allotted. What did they, what was it last time? Like 715 billion or something like that. Yeah. And we ultimately end up spending almost a trillion. So where does that money come from? Right. right? We're, <laughs> we're borrowing more money from people overseas. You know, and it's, it's, and while you and I are paying constantly more, I think, I think well more than half of our tax dollars go directly to the military budget. I mean, how can we possibly justify that? You know, talk about the left right paradigm as a complete scam, but it's always blown my mind that Republicans, people on the right, will complain to no end about Medicare or Social Security and not just, well, hey, how about cutting the defense spending in half? That's a, huge government program that's totally wasteful you know like it's not what is that doing for any of us i mean yeah exactly uh, you know. and it's not even defense anyway right I, it's all for offense yeah, 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 yeah right. totally we could cut nine tenths of that and still be good to go you know just really like i was just reading something about like the whole laser aspect that you know like putting lasers on ships and it's just like god you know like i'm always been okay with just, you know, top of the line, state of the art defenses, yeah. right? Line this country up to where we can defend against anything and then forget about everything else. You know what I mean? We don't need to be over. I mean, Donald Trump got elected on the promise that he was going to stop being the policeman of the world. And now he's gone 10 times more than anybody else. Oh man! You know, it's, it's just incredibly frustrating to see. We need to begin to just put, actually defend like Ron Paul constantly talks about, and then just get the hell out of everybody else's countries. Yeah. You know, that would solve a lot of problems. And look at that. All of a sudden, we've got $17 trillion that we can put towards, you know, it's like it's I know. all this money we could just throw around. You know, it's crazy. Solve the world's problems, basically. It is pretty amazing that we can spend this much money on the military, and it's completely off limits to discuss. And actually, you know, I, I was just as, you know, we've talked so much about the narrative and the creation of the enemy. ISIS is out to get us. The terrorists are out to get us. I mean, Americans live in a constantly hyper stressful environment where we think that people are trying to get us all the time. And it's basically just a narrative that's created to get us to want to spend this trillions of dollars on defense when it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, what would it be like to actually live in a peaceful country yeah. Where we spent, you know, a small percentage on national defense, and then we had plenty of money to get stuff done. And we didn't have all these enemies because we weren't running around, you know, killing people all over the place, making them hate our guts. I mean, I think you probably saw the the statistic. They they come out, well, this the poll was a few years ago. I think they just did another one, though, that corroborated it uh, about asking people from different countries who's the biggest threat you know, to, to world peace in the world. And like 75% of them come back and all those <laughs> the United States, right? I mean, you know, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who, I, I, that, the, the only people that wouldn't, that would shock is people, mainstream media watchers in the United States. I, yeah, I think right. the rest of the world today, even, even allies are just like, yeah, that's totally true. Like, you know, like we're not going to say that, but we could totally see it. So that's why we're friends with you. You know, it's like, it's, it's pretty crazy. It, and I mean, that, that's what blows me away is that, 
like you said, we've said probably three times during this interview is that it's all right there for you to look at. Yeah. It's, it is a click away to being able to see blatant government information that verifies everything we're talking about. Yeah. The numbers are very, very clear that things are not as they seem. And, you know, people, it, it really, it's, it's this propaganda that we keep coming back to as well, that, um, you know, this mainstream media narrative that has got to be just broken down. People have got to stop paying attention to it. Um, they're not, they're half truths at best and outright lies at worst and, you know, straight up paid for government propaganda. And, uh, uh, people just have to stop paying attention to it. I mean, I got, I got to that place. It, it actually took me, like I said, I used to compare, you know, this article with that article and this narrative from that narrative. And I mean, these days it's like, God, why even, why even read that stuff? Because it's just crap. I mean, it's not real. It's a fault. It's the creating a false picture of the world where we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. And, you know, we yeah. have to have this huge military. We have to go over there and do, you know, the right to protect. <laughs> American exceptionalism. I mean, they have these, these terms, these memes that are like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, the other countries must just be. I remember when George Bush was first president and I thought these guys are so arrogant. I couldn't wait for there to be another president because I thought, you know, other countries must just be like, oh, my God, there's the Americans again. We got to go talk to the Americans. They're going to be such assholes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then Obama came. It's like the it, the narrative didn't change, you know. And now Trump's here. It's like the narrative's not changing. The Americans are still like the rudest people in the room that show up and pretend like they can. We're just, you know, you got to do what we tell you because we're Americans. Uh, right. I don't think so. It, it's gone the opposite direction, right? Where we've actually gotten worse, you know. Where before, you know, it's like the, the, it's it's not. A, it's you know, you go like traveling overseas, and you're right. It's like you know, oh, you're an American. Oh God, like. You know, we, we're, you know, they, they imagine the worst of us. And, yeah. and sadly, today, I feel like those worst traits have really been exemplified amongst the population. Yeah, you right. Know, pompous, hubris. You know, it's it's frustrating because that doesn't I don't think that actually represents what most Americans see themselves as. And right. it's, that's a sad thing to realize, you know, that we're, we're being forced into that, you know. Well, this is really the truth behind it, is that the government is divorced from the people. It's it's like a rogue state that's doing its own thing, and the American people are going to have to, like, we have to do it. I, you know, the old Edmund Burke quote that, you know, bad people take over if good people do nothing. I mean, we've got to figure out how to organize this and do something to make this turn around, because they have control over the situation and you know for these big guys the gun runners the drug makers the oil guys you know they got really really rich and they bought up the government <laughs> and so uh it's going to take an effort i hope uh, i hope that we can keep fighting the good fight well it's been uh, over an hour and a half so we probably should should call it i'm sure we could keep talking for hours but do you have anything else that you want to talk about or do you want to you want to give out your uh, information so people can find out how to find out more Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, the last American vagabond.com is the website where you can get everything for the most part, all of our links and links to the, the, the daily, the show, but check us out on, I mean, really I, YouTube is, you know, probably where most people go, but I would recommend to check us out on steam it D tube, you know, forward slash TLA vagabond for pretty much everything, Twitter, mm -hmm. whatever else. But, you know, I really try to get people to get away from those major, major media, you know, social media platforms, but yeah, you know, really, I, really, I would say just check us out on the website, you know, cause I don't think anybody should be promoting YouTube and places like that anymore, but I think everybody should be trying to promote these blockchain based 
you know, social media venues like Steam and things like that. But we have the podcast and everything else. So really just, I mean, really more so than coming out to check out The Last American Vagabond. I just want everyone to get out there and support independent media in any way you can. That's what it really comes down to, whether that be me, you, or anybody. Just stop buying into the mainstream propaganda at the end of the day. Right? Yeah, That's absolutely. All we, all we could say. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate it, and I can't recommend your work enough to my audience. I hope more people do check it out. I think the daily wrap-up is just fantastic. It saves... Uh, a lot of time. It's something that the, the movement really needed because, you know, not everybody can sit down and read 10, 15 articles a day. And your synopsis of what's happening uh, is really spot on. And uh, and so you do you're doing a great service to the whole community uh, by giving people that that concise 20 minute. You know, I can listen to it while I'm working or doing other stuff. And and uh, um so it's really getting the job done. And I think that you do it in a way that can actually kind of wake people up too. like you just give this perspective, you state the facts, you let ask people to think for themselves. Um, and I think people should be listening to that and going, huh, you know, I never quite heard it from this point of view before. So I'm going to I am I'm going to go check it out. And just, you know, the more you can encourage people to look up this stuff for themselves, the more they're going to see, like, uh, like we discussed, the numbers clearly state that something is not what's they're saying on the corporate media. So <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up uh, and say that if you like what you're hearing here on The Shift, I could use some support. You can go to Patre uh, Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash The Shift. Uh, you can join my Facebook feed where you'll get a lot of the articles that uh, Ryan is talking about on uh, on his podcast up at, at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Join the conversation on Twitter at McKenty, and my website is theshiftnow.com. So... Uh, you can check that out for all of my archives and other information about the show. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Ryan, for being on the show. And thanks again for all the work that you're doing. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You bet. Take care. Mm -hmm.